If you would, let's pray together. Father, thank you for each of these young men who've come and given public testimony of their faith in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would use them for your glory. And I pray, Father, that you would use them in a mighty way. And we thank you, God, for how gracious and kind that you are. And Lord, I pray for those who still need to come to know you, those who may not have trusted you as Savior today, that you would draw them by the power of your Spirit. God, for those who need to take a step in discipleship and in service, I'd pray that today, as we see the testimony of these young men who say, Lord, I'm willing. Use me, God. I believe. I trust you. God, I think about all the other young men, and I think about the boys and girls uh, who need to know the love of Christ. And Lord, I pray for those in this audience right now who need to say, God, I answer that call for the opportunity to impact their life, to serve here on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or whenever the time may be, to make a difference in the lives of those, uh, Lord, whom you have given us the opportunity to influence. I pray that we would take that opportunity and use your spirit for your glory so that you might be given the testimony of our faith for the world to see. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Rock Point. I'm Matthew Harding. It's great to be with you in this service. If you have the Word of God this morning, if you turn to the book of Luke of the New Testament, we're going to be looking at one verse, in particular, Luke 9.23. And if you didn't bring a Bible, it'll be on the screen this morning. And So glad you're here. And we are really amidst some exciting days. If you are paying attention to what's going on around us spiritually, not only are we building a, a nice building and a facility, but we are preparing for some great work of God. I believe that God doesn't obviously work and prepare a people for, for nothing, and God is obviously at work in our midst in this church and has been over the last 10 years to do something great for the kingdom of God, for His name, for His glory. And this morning, as uh, we've been thinking as a staff, how do we prepare ourselves well for all that God wants? Because just in a few months, as we enter into the new building, we'll be visited by folks from all over the area in North Texas. There'll be folks who want to come and check out and see what the excitement's all about, or the building's all about. And the question is this, are we ready to receive those that God is bringing our way? Are we ready? And we don't want to simply come together and uh, do a variety of things that make sense as a church and miss the one work of God when He's called us to be prepared and looking and expectant for what God has for us. And this morning as we are thinking about Trek, we are kind of launching a new discipleship ministry called The Trek. You'll be singing around the hallways on the website. You'll have a chance to go and register for free and sign up for a variety of core courses that will help equip you to become deeper and ready and more prepared in your personal walk, in your intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our heart for you as the body of Christ to help make more and better followers of Jesus Christ. And so for the next two or three years, you're going to see the Trek process. You'll see the Trek Discipleship Ministry at the forefront, asking every one of our members and every one of our tenders to ask themselves the question, where am I spiritually in my walk? How am I doing? Taking an assessment, even this morning at the end of our time together, we're going to just take a few minutes and do a spiritual assessment as an application for this message, giving you the chance to look introspectively and say, Father, where can I grow in my faith? 
what are next steps in growth for my life spiritually? As a church body, as a church leadership, we want this for you. Because at the end of the day, when all the dust settles, Jesus Christ, He's the prize. And we want to become intimate. We want to become in deep fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He who has saved us. He who has rescued us. He who has called us to new life. And for the season that we are spending life on this earth, we want to be sure that we are available and ready for all that God has, especially in the next few seasons of Rock Point's life in the history of our church. So I'm glad to be with you this morning. I, I want to think about, again, what does it mean to prepare ourselves if I don't know if there's any cake lovers in the audience. I, I have to confess, I don't know if it's, it's self-evidence you or not, but I like cake. I am passionate about cake. Even last night, after we preached, Jennifer and I went to Coal Vines on South Lake. And, hey, why are you all laughing? That's not cool. But I mean, we went to Coal Vines, we had a big piece of cake, and it was outstanding. I kept thinking about, man, I love to eat the cake. It's a reward, big glass of milk, beautiful piece of cake. But if I were to have to make that cake, I don't know if you've ever tried to teach someone how to cook or bake a cake or you yourself are, are adept at cooking, but you just can't willy-nilly throw some ingredients together and expect a great reward on the other end, right? I mean, that's not how cake works. If you're going to make an excellent cake, and of course you do because we're in North Texas and everything's bigger in Texas, you want to have a good cake. And so you've got to find the exact ingredients you need. You've got to, you've got to ultimately put it in the, uh, the order it's supposed to go, and then you've got to put the, 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 the cake in the oven. You can't just turn it on any old temperature and keep it in there for however long you want. It's got to be specific. And so the end, the end result is after you've baked your cake and you've got all the right ingredients, and I don't know what you do if you baste a cake or you ice it. I don't know what you do in the process there, but you kind of, I don't cook a lot. I, you know, get to, I'm the kitchen table guy. That's me. I'm the, the taster. But so you, you get the cake out, and you had to be patient, let it wait, and you've iced the cake, and you're ready for it. To what? To get the reward, to enjoy it, to eat it at the end. And I think discipleship is very similar. God has called us to kind of spend some time in the process not kind of willy-nilly, but to kind of invest ourselves in time with the right process and the right ingredients to kind of do the due diligence so what at the end that Jesus Christ becomes the prize, that we have alleviated some things in our life that block our goal and get in the way of the obstacles that block us from knowing Christ deeply and intimately because we get busy. We just lose, lose sight for distractions. This morning we're in Luke chapter 9, and I want to just ask us to contemplate together three marks of a spiritually mature disciple. What does it mean to, to look and see some personal growth, some, some growth in your life as a disciple of Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ? And this morning we'll be quick as we do it. Luke 9.23, the Bible says, and it's a beautiful passage because here's Christ talking about those that will reject him, those that know about Jesus, they think it's awesome that he's done all these great miracles, and a lot of folks have been following him to kind of see, hey, what's this guy going to do next? He's kind of a zealot, kind of revolutionary. Everything he does kind of draws a crowd. And so there's a lot of folks who have been following after Jesus because they're kind of watching from, a, from afar like a WWE wrestling match or some kind of spectacle, you know, but they're not really sure that exactly they're trying trusting in him for life or trusting in him for some kind of intimate relationship with God. They're just kind of watching. And so Jesus asked his disciples, hey, who do the people think I am? Who do they say that I am? And of course, the apostles, they, they respond. And when Peter says, you are, you are God's 
Christ or the Christ of God, the anointed of God. You're the Messiah. You're the ones that have the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go? We can't go anywhere because it's you, Jesus. You're the one we follow. You're the one that has life. You are life. And Jesus turns and says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. This is from my Father. And then he says these words about what it means to be a Christ follower, to truly want to be known as a Christian. In verse 23, he says, If anyone then wishes to come after me, to follow me, that's the Greek word, they're mathetaeus. That's the Greek word we get the word discipleship from, discipulos, which means to follow after. If you want to be a follower after Christ, he says, one must first deny himself. And then take up his cross. That would be the execution instrument of someone's life. In that day and age, it was the cross. In our day and age, it's lethal injection or it's the, the electric chair or it's used to be hanging. But one who would be willing to put himself and his life on the line. And he says, then they have to follow me. Follow me. I want you to follow a quote right here. I want you to look at this quote and see if this is a true statement in your life. It's been true in my life. It is doubtful that God will do his deepest work in the shallowest part of my life. Have you been guilty of that like I have? Can I just, can I just confess to you, Rock Point Church, there's been days as a pastor, before ministry, during ministry, that I just got busy. And I've just went on in months and months and months about the work of God, but I've just, I miss God in the process. I got so busy and kind of distracted by the things of life with family, being a husband and being a father, trying to be a good career and and all the things that that life throws at me. So distracted that I I would wake up one day and say, I'm not growing in my faith. I I don't feel feel close to God. I feel like God's a million miles away and I wake up and I, I want that. But what have I done in my life to prepare myself for this closeness, for this intimacy with Christ? And I realized I hadn't. I had let everything else come in and clutter my life over the things that Christ had called me to. And I was guilty of this, that thinking that God would do a deep work in the shallowest part of my life. And I had to wake up and realize that God has called me to something deeper and better and greater for the kingdom of God and for His glory, but for my benefit. And so this morning, there, there's three, I think, measurement tools. There's three areas of our life that are simple as believers using Luke 9.23 as kind of a guide to understand what are three marks of maturity in my life. The first mark would be this. It would be my spiritual perspective. My spiritual perspective. And it is, do I see as God sees or simply as I see, as a human sees? I think back to Acts chapter 9 when here's Saul of Tarsus, who was a zealot and passionate for the things of God, and yet... He, he comes in contact with Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ radically changed his life. And the Bible says for three days he neither ate nor sleep, and he, he ultimately sat in a cell and was just confused, and he had scales literally over his eyes. And think about what happened in Saul's life. He had a, a major paradigm shift. Everything he thought he was doing for the glory of God, everything he was doing for, for Israel and for Judaism and all his teaching and all his training, he thought he was doing right by God, but he missed the boat completely. He completely missed the point that it was about intimacy with God and that God's Son came in the form of Jesus Christ and he was persecuting and killing Christians. And he felt that he was killing Christians for the glory of God. And God graciously, through the person of Jesus Christ, intervened and said, stop what you're doing. Quit persecuting me. 
He said, who are you? He says, I am Jesus of Nazareth. And here for three days he sits, and the Bible says, Ananias came after three days, and he prayed over Saul, who became Paul, and the scales literally fell from his eyes. And how what a powerful vision to see that for the first time now, when Paul starts to look at the world and look at life, he sees everything differently. Why? Because God has given him a new vision, a new perspective. For the first time he sees and this new theology, and this new paradigm, and this new spirituality, but it's about the glory of Jesus. It's about building the church. It's about seeing the work of God outside of the, the necessarily the, the constructed, established church. It's about following after Jesus, not simply being religious. And he saw everything in a new light, in a new spiritual perspective. It's interesting how we can see things differently. I think back a, a, about a possibility of a few weeks ago, a uh, famous boy band was here in our town, and I can see my, my wife, uh, my Sarah daughter, she's 15, and myself walking through the mall, and all of a sudden, I see a group of guys who are looking like thugs, their pants are all hanging down, they're doing one of these, and all of a sudden, I'm like, what a bunch of thugs, man, I'm going to pop all these guys on the head, and all of a sudden, my, my, my daughter, she's frozen and in, in, in delight, and she can't speak, and she's starting to cry, and like, What's your deal? And all of a sudden, it's like Harry from One Direction, right? And so One Direction, apparently this famous British boy band, it's like the new Beatles, you know, the only generation new wave, and all the girls, you know, ah, you know. And I'm thinking, these guys are punks. Now, we're looking at the same thing, right? We're looking at the very same object, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, der- I'm derision toward these young men, thinking these guys, you know, I'm, you know whatever, I'll bust you out, whatever. But all of a sudden, my, you know, my, da- my daughter, she's freaking out. She's crying in the presence of these men, these young boys. These 14-year-olds, what? And so I'm thinking, this is, this is crazy. And so we're, we're seeing the very same thing, but we have completely different perspectives, don't we? Isn't that kind of how the spiritual life works, that we go about our life and we see things, we just miss it? Do you know the Bible talks about two very distinct kingdoms? The kingdom of God and the spiritual reality, and then the earthly realm, the, the world that we live in. I want to read you a few verses, and these are, these are some tough verses. Listen to this verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, And we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, in a life which we formerly walked according to the course of this world. This world. According to the prince of the power of the air. That's speaking about the evil one. The evil one who has a temporary reign over our physical universe for a season. Especially in this earth in particular. And of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. John 12, 31 says, Now judgment is upon this world, and now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Who's the ruler of this world? It's the evil one. For for a time, for a temporary season, God has allowed that the evil one would have sway, even though he's limited in his activities under God's sovereignty, he still is allowed to have sway and reign over this particular world, which means that Satan wants to deceive you and disguise what is truth, and he wants to block out what is holy, and he wants to have, rush you headlong into media and education and all that the world has to offer that would clutter up your mind and heart away from the things of God. Because in this world, it's about you, and it's about your glory, and your fame, and your comfort, and your ease. And that's how Satan wants it. He wants us to be completely distracted from that which is of God, that which is spiritual. Listen to this verse, Colossians 1.13. The Bible says, For Christ has rescued you and I from the dominion, that's the kingdom, from the domain of darkness, and he's transferred us into the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. 
And lastly, in James 4, 4, James, he doesn't mess around. He says this, he says, Do you not know that friendship with this world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world would make himself an enemy of God. Now, can I just ask you to contemplate that together with me this morning? You know, we don't hear that pumped from the world's perspective. That's a definite spiritual Christian perspective of the kingdom of God that we are running after, that the world is consumed with more and more and more. It's killing and crushing out our hopes of being close with Christ. And that's how the evil one wants it. Distracted church. Focus on a thousand things, but that which is most important, which is to run to Christ which is to love Christ, which is to put Christ as preeminent, which is to make His glory known. And so the Bible says, if any man wishes to follow after me, he first must deny himself. What commercial have you ever seen anywhere on TV that says, deny what you want? The whole point of a commercial is, you're owed it. It's yours. This is for you. You've deserved it. You're entitled. It's all about you. Don't deny anything. Rather, embrace and take. It's for you. And so the kingdom message of God is to follow after something that is spiritual and eternal. With eternal rewards means to forsake things in this life, even the things that you would want that make you perhaps happy. So a first mark of spiritual maturity would be my spiritual perspective. What do you see? Do you see the kingdom perspective, God's perspective, God's reality over against the earthly kingdom? A second mark would be this. It would be my response to adversity. How do I personally handle conflict, adversity? As, as a mark of spiritual growth, is it possible that you've seen yourself grow in Christ and know that you handle adversity different today than you did five years ago? I think about all of us. You know, a common uh, reality, a common factor is the fact that a lot of us have to have commutes, long commutes to go to work. And is it powerful to think in the morning time you can have a 30-minute commute, 40-minute commute, and you're in your car and you're having a quiet time, or you're praying, or you've got your, your Christian tunes on. I mean, you're just spirit-filled, and man, it's a beautiful day, and the sun's coming up, and you're just in traffic and doing your thing, and all of a sudden some bozo, bam, cuts right in front of you, slams on his brake, and then what? You're like, sign language starts coming up, and you're like, I'm going to talk to that brother across the way. You realize, oh, stop, calm down a minute. You know, he's looking at the rearview mirror like, what you going to do? You know, you know he's looking because we're texting like, what? What about it? I just did it. What about it? What about it? And you're like, mm, just, just don't. Just don't. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. You start praying. You start raising your hand, praying for the God. God, flat tires. And, you know, you're like, whatever. So, you know, we, but all of a sudden we have conflict and adversity. How do we handle that in a very common everyday occurrence in our life? Conflict with our family. Conflict with deep relationships. Even conflict within the church, which... Sometimes it's very ordinary, natural, and necessary conflict. How do we handle And so there's a difference between reacting in the flesh and reacting in our instinct and being spirit-filled and responding appropriately to the obstacle, the conflict, the challenge in my life. Christ said you've got to take up your cross, be willing to die to the things of your flesh that you think you're right, you think you're entitled to, that you think you're owed for the sake of peace, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of others. And that doesn't come natural to anyone in this room. It's a mark of spiritual maturity. And thirdly, the Bible, I think, helps us to see as a mark of spiritual maturity is my daily investment. My daily investment into the spiritual versus the physical. How do I spend my time, my money, my influence, 
What am I investing my life into? And the Bible says, Christ says, listen, if you, if you want me, you've got to come after me. You've got to follow me. What does that mean in this generation? Since we don't have Jesus Christ tangibly with us on this earth today, we've got to find the, the presence of God through his spirit. And what's his spirit at work doing? His spirit is at work around us in people's lives. Thus, if we want to be a part of the presence where God is, we've got to be open and sensitive and looking where God is at work around us. And where is God at work around us? Normally, God is at work around us in the hard places, in the uncomfortable areas. He's at work in Flower Mountain. He's at work at Louisville and in Dallas and Fort Worth. He's at work all around us, but usually he's not called us to safety or to comfort or to ease or to simplicity. That's what we run to. That's what we like. But yet God's like, if you want to be a part of what the kingdom of God is doing, then I'm going to run, I'm going to usher you into something that's sometimes even chaotic. Isn't it a powerful thought to think that sometimes in the very epicenter of God's will, it's where there's most chaos and most blessing? Well, there's there's most craziness, and yet it's the epicenter of God's safety because you couldn't be anywhere else and be safer, even though it may not be in a safety situation. Why? Because life is messy, and people's lives and their brokenness is messy. People's marriages get messy. People's relationships get messy. People's hurt and their addictions make it really, really messy. And it's easy to come to church Sunday after Sunday and be about the, the, the ministry and the work of God and miss the fact that God has called us into a deeper walk with Him. And that deeper walk with Him brings us into an openness to see what He sees and to hurt for the things He hurts for and to desire the things God desires and to start to see the people around us that God sees. And He's called us to start loving people where it's messy. So what's the point this morning? Here's the point. We're preparing ourselves for a host of people to be a part of this body. At least onlookers, at least people who are becoming and saying, well, Rock Point's doing something. Well, God's at work at Rock Point or something's happening. And so we want to be prepared. We want to make sure that we've done everything we can to help you be prepared to meet needs and to love people and to be ready to go where it's messy. Because if you were to stand here and give your testimony and to open up the closets of your life, it would be messy. You've heard me and my wife stand up here and share our story in our life, and it was messy. There's a variety of people all around us who need to know there's a church in this city who's not going to judge them for their mess, but who's going to love them in spite of their mess, who wants to bring them into the altar and share Jesus Christ and love them to the uttermost and say, you're safe here. We want you to find Christ here. And if God would then so generously love us enough to send us out to the highways and the byways to love people where they're at in their mess, are we ready for that? And so the opportunity is for us then to prepare ourselves. And over the next couple, three years, you're going to see the trek process. You're going to see that on the website. You're going to see banners. You're going to see brochures like this. You'll be able to get as soon as you walk out the door to grab a brochure of this, this nature. If you hit the next slide, here, here's the deal. So, so what now? What are next steps? God's calling us. He's calling us into deeper intimacy with him. So how do we do that well? Well, the question is we've got to learn to run to Christ daily first. This is not about a program. It's not about a ministry. It's about Jesus. Remember, he's the prize. He's the reward. And our heartbeat is for you to even do less church and less religion and less spirituality and more presence of God in your life. That Jesus would be real and close with you 
I would just challenge you to ask yourself some hard questions spiritually. Have you, have you grown in Christ since you've been at Rock Point? Have you, have you seen some measurable, tangible growth in your life spiritually? Well, we want to ask you to measure yourself, to look at that inside, and we want to help you then figure out where are some areas that you need some growth so that for the next few years, we can help equip you with the tools of discipleship to help get you where you need to be spiritually for the glory of God and for your benefit. That's what the church is here for. Our church vision statement is to make more and better followers of Christ, and that's our heartbeat this morning, is to help equip you. And one of those tools is the trick discipleship. Thirdly, you've got to get a plan. You've got to get a plan together for your growth. And fourthly, I would just challenge you to start asking people, inviting people into your weakness. Have you ever thought about that before? Just to invite some people who know you well. So you know what? I, I need to grow, and I'm going to challenge myself to grow in these areas of my life. And I want you to know this. So you can accountability in my life, and you can encourage me and pray for me and send me scriptures as a spirit. Just invite other people into your weakness so that you could grow. So that when God starts to do a work at Rock Point, He doesn't have to work around you. But you're in the mix. Because God sees and He's proud of what God is doing. He's proud of how the people of God at Rock Point are on their face before God. And they're a praying church. And they're a giving church. And they're a desperate church for the presence of God. We don't want to come and simply hear speakers and have good music and, and just talk and fellow. We want God to show up in our midst. We want to be desperate for God to pour himself out in our midst so that at the end of the day we left and say, God was here. God has changed me. God is at work. Is that your prayer this morning? Did you realize that uh, throughout the week, in the next few weeks, uh, we'll have a variety of trick core classes? And we're, and we're going to ask as a staff that every one of you, a member and a tender, in the next couple of years, would make time to go through one of these 12-week core classes. Trek 101 is simply spiritual disciplines. It's how you can kind of engage your life and reignite that passion in your life to, to learn how to pray better, how to, how to read the Word of God better, how to, how to, how to fast, how to, the spiritual disciplines that every one of us as a believer need. We just want to help you ignite that passion again in your life. And Trek 201 is basic Christian beliefs. We want to teach how God has worked throughout history. And so we want to talk about the hot-button issues of theology and talk about what does the Orthodox Church believe? What do we as Christians, at the very base of our belief, what do we believe rightly about God? And that's Trek 201. That's basic Christian beliefs. And so you know, on Wednesday morning at 6.30, men, we have an opportunity for every man in this room to come and be challenged as a leader in this church. It's early. It's on Wednesdays at 6.30 in the morning. And listen, the cream of the crop show up. I'm challenging you as men to to rearrange your schedule if you can to come for one hour. And we're out of there by 7 o'clock, from 6 to 7 o'clock. And here's the opportunity for ladies to get plugged into a deepening discipleship and some mentorship. And on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights and Wednesday mornings, we have tried to make it where throughout the whole week you can engage your life. You go online, you can register, it's free, there's childcare. There's no reason you cannot engage your life into this ministry. Last thing this morning is I want you to think about a quote Here's a quote, if you'll do the next one for me up there. It's possible, Rock Point, to do the work of God in such a way that it kills the work of God in us. This morning is a, is a lasting prayer. I'm just asking God to help us to think about what we've done in ministry. That we wouldn't be guilty of simply doing a work of ministry 
and us dying on the vine on the insides. God has called us to more and greater and better. So that's our prayer. That's our prayer for you, for God to be the prize of your life, that as a church body we would be deepening in our intimacy with him, that he would be glorified, and that you would be changed. And listen, through your life, this community would know that God is alive. Amen? Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, thank you for your graciousness to let us be challenged in your word this morning, that God, you would move, that God, you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would stir within us a desire for your glory. Father, help us in the next few minutes as we assess our lives spiritually to look to you first, that you would move mightily in our midst. And God, I pray for life change for every soul in this room. God, don't pass over us. We ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.